Hey everybody, welcome back to The World According to J-Caps. That's the title of this show, I say it at the beginning. And I'm so glad for everyone who continues to tune in because it's nice to know that people are out there enjoying the kind of things that I, you know what, I feel like the fade on that was really too quick, so we're just going to go and start that again. Guys, also, I just want to say I'm so glad that people are still tuning in and enjoying the kind of thing that we're trying to do here, because I'm having, yeah, that was better. I'm having, um, I feel like things are, are, are beginning to come back to life for me. I think not having a job for almost the whole pandemic eventually fucked my mind up. But now, now that I'm teaching uh, art at a special needs school during the day, um, getting up at 6 a.m. and fucking going to work, uh, teaching. The, the crazy thing about this new job, if I may talk about my life on the podcast that I make, um, is that so I got thrown into this position and it, I don't I didn't have any uh, curriculum that I was given to follow. I was just like, they're like, all right, you're an art teacher. Cool. Do what you do. So I haven't taught art in public schools since like 2008. And a lot has happened since then. And also, I've never taught in a school for emotionally disturbed children. Emotionally disturbed um, teens, right? So uh, I'm, I'm teaching... Their classes are rather small, and I have aides, but, but the way it's all shaken out, because I've been doing it for... This is my third week. The way it works out is I basically sit at a table with maybe four or five students and I go step by step for six periods a day going through basic two-point perspective and structural drawing and all things that have concrete steps because, you know, we're not, like, the school's goal is not to turn these kids into great artists. It's, you know, finding the... the the value of of continuing and sticking with a routine, and especially in this case, it does yield a good um, it does yield a good um, result because you know two point perspective looks cool when you make like a street or different. You can make really anything with two point perspective, and also just structural drawing. Um, you know, talking about you know making different types of. <laughs> I get it. It's boring and it's not funny. And why indulge that aspect of my life on the show? I agree. But I figured up top I might talk a little bit about what's going on with me. But anyway, as a byproduct of this heartwarming story about how how I'm teaching special needs kids how to draw, um, it is quelling the voice inside of me that hates myself and every aspect of the things I do because I'm just too busy to worry about that shit. And that's good, right? So here we are. We're on the podcast again. And it's Monday, March 28th. And if, unfortunately, you're a member of society, today you will find that 
nobody will shut up about how Will Smith smacked legendary comedian Chris Rock in the face after making a really harmless joke about his wife that he was seen laughing at like two seconds before. Um, Everybody's been trying to like put in conspiracy theories about it and being like, I don't know, everyone has a lot of opinions. And I wonder if it's because everyone's so happy to be invested in some type of global event that we all can like squeeze out a few drops of piss onto and feel like the 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 uh the the what do you call stockpot full of urine that is all of our collective opinions makes us unified in some way uh, i don't know but i did not watch the oscars i heard about it later and i saw the event as it as it happened on like some australian oh no some japanese uh broadcast had it uncensored and i just was like fuck the oscars and also fuck will smith like i don't know it reminded me of how how can you take a legendary comedian like um like chris rock and just slap him across the face like that and then what does that do that just devalues that guy is a legend on george carlin level i mean He's, I feel like Chris Rock, because he's older, he doesn't have like the same, um, he, he peaked, he peaked earlier and everyone is like Chappelle, 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 but Chappelle's great. But Chris Rock is like, like a forebear of comedy before that. And it's like, you're going to take, this guy takes, slaps Chris Rock on this prestigious event. What does that do to, like, now I feel like you can just like shoot an open micer in the face. You can just take a machine gun and start mowing down open micers. If we're going to devalue the one of the greatest comedian alive like that and just smack him in it's actually the one thing it does remind me of, it reminds me of how like when remember when um remember that we had a remember Daryl Trump? <laughs> imagine imagine I was going to try to imagine Imagine I was going to try to say that, like I forgot his name, Daryl Trump. Imagine, remember Donald Trump, the president? Remember when, in the beginning, like when he was just getting elected, if you, um, if people said some shit about him, like there would be like a little like online mafia who came and came after those people. It just makes me think, like, whenever there's a group that you cannot joke with, that shows you where in society has like uh, power. And it's like comedians have already been really fucked with over the last, I feel like, 10 years. How it's been taken as like a standard that even when a comedian is joking, joking, you should consider what they say as absolute fact with no context and try to destroy them. And that's like the law of the land. And then this thing happens and it's just like, Maybe we are heading toward a society that really doesn't um that really doesn't accept humor because I mean Will Smith did not like to make a, a to make to do that I mean he really lowers his own status 
by being such a fucking loser. But it's like, that is, that's so lame. But what does it say about how our society values comedy or doesn't value comedy? So I really could give a fuck about either way because the one thing I know is that animals can take a joke and I do a show where I make fun of animals. So it really doesn't matter one way or the other to me. Um, Also, that aspect of like society, like famous people society, fuck them all. I mean, seriously, it's like a fantasy. Most people who are at that type of level are such selfish, psychopath narcissists because, yeah, sure, it's a great thing to follow your dreams and get to the top of anything. But when you're that type of person, I used to work at a company, uh, I used to work at this company where I was around the CEO of the company and this was a Fortune 500 multinational, had was number 266 around on the Fortune 500. They're probably higher than that now. They, had, they were in 26 countries, billion do- billions of dollars. I was around the CEO. I used to actually uh, do AV for the CEO. And he wasn't a bad guy. But one thing is for sure is that there was an aspect of like narcissistic psychopath that was part of who he was. And he was like unique that he wasn't like, like an, an evil killing people psychopath that I know of. But still, you know, like, a lot of us in normal life, we our creative pursuits hinge upon what we are willing to sacrifice in our actual lives. For instance, to truly pursue a dream all the way, sometimes your relationships suffer, your um, you know, your leisure suffers, and to truly pursue something. You have to be so deadly focused on it that you cut a lot of shit out of your life. And that could be, and depending on how much you need other people and want to f- f- like have healthy relationships with them, I mean, I've seen it in my own life. Like I, um, you know, f- from working around the CEO, I was like, oh, that's the, that's the type of dedication you need to have if you want to make, if you want to get shit done. And like, you know, you can drive yourself insane. You know, and maybe some of some of these people who like are of that pursuit that we that we um, that we covet, they we covet their abilities, but we also covet the fact that they're in this like invisible temple, this invisible citadel that we normal fucking losers can't enter. And we fuck we treat it like it's holy. We we um, we like jerk off to the idea of fame and what that means, right? But these people are fucking scumbags and they just are never called on it. Um maybe they are called on it. Maybe it's like um like we had we had Donald Donald Trump and I feel like no matter what side of the aisle you're on, you can admit that he was a fucking stupid scumbag narcissist. That's like I think, you know, everyone knows that he that he was like that, right? And it's like um he that guy can't take a criticism. He he takes it personally and he can't be be roasted. And in that world, in that paradigm, there's no room for humor. So anyway, I I agree. I should shut up about I I agree. I don't want to hear myself talk about that shit either. It's fucking You know what? 
we have we I happened to um I happened to ask you the audience for some suggestions this weekend and I was very happy that we got some suggestions. So without further ado, let's jump into this week's suggestions. All right, what do we got here? Um Soli Soli Mawikuab. Damn it, you know, Soli. Let me just talk to the audience for a second. I'm gonna talk directly to Soli. Soli is some kid, I think he lives in Texas somewhere. He's been a fan of the grading animals since 2019. And uh, he's a photographer. He's a young photographer. And um, actually, solely, believe it or not, when I was your age, I was also a young photographer. My first job, my first real job, was working as a wedding photographer's assistant. And I every weekend, I would go to like two or three weddings and shoot and, and basically do lighting and keep... Back in those days, we actually had film in the camera. So I had to keep film loaded for his Hasselblad. And so I, my pockets were filled with the um, the medium format backs, and I would just supply them all night and also be the uh, fill flash. So I'd walk around with a flash, and um, you know wherever he would take a picture, I would fill I would fill flash the back. Um, and that was my gig for a long time until I basically apprenticed under this photographer until he allowed me to shoot. And it was actually a very old school relationship of um of mentor to uh to student because like I worked for him as the lighting and film until like I knew the ropes and then I could um proceed and it was a great it was a great experience it actually really taught me a lot about um I don't know I guess commercial art which is if I had to put myself in a centrifuge and uh you know, find out what I'm actually, what my life's uh, experience, um, you know, sifts out to being. I've been a commercial artist, and that's what has paid my bills. As much as I've pitched my pitched myself toward my dreams um, throughout my life, the relationship between pitching yourself toward your dreams and what you do for a living um, is a is a is a dichotomy that can drive you crazy. I to this day still feel like a failure in some reasons because I am not fully employed by my creative pursuit even though as a young man I wanted to be an artist and I my first job was assisting a photographer and every job I ever had was doing art in some capacity for Commerce, okay, not totally pure, but even in that, I still like judge myself super harshly. So I don't know what the fact, what the fuck that means, but I should get to Soli's question, and I agree. That's what we should do. So Soli asks if I should rant about the people who don't watch my show. It's not like they're gonna see it. Um. Soli is hilarious. So I asked Soli if he listens to the podcast, and then he goes, yeah, I watched it. So I was like, this kid did not listen to the podcast, because how the fuck do you watch a podcast? I mean, maybe if it was a video podcast, but this podcast is only audio. So the only way you're watching it is to put your headphones in and then go walk around 
and whatever you see is the visual component of this podcast. So solely, maybe I'm ranting about you because you don't actually listen to this show and you lie to my face saying that you watched it. But you know what, though? How am I going to fucking get mad at you, dude? You've been you've been a long hauler since the beginning. A long hauler, to use some of Giannis Pappas' phraseology of what he calls his his fans. But um, anyway, Soli, we're good. And, it's, and as far as the other people in the world that don't know about my work, what can you do? You know, I, I, I scroll through Instagram a lot because Instagram was the platform that I allowed, um, I allowed to uh, be the arbiter of my self-worth. And so I look at the other shit on there. And a lot of people, a lot of young people are trying to get into stoicism because it's, I guess, cool now. And a lot of people are like, there's this one dork who always comes on and he has like, um, he's like, uh, Epicurus believed that, um, you know, the one thing that you can't do is worry about the judgments of other people because you're all going to die. And it's like, do you know what? Um, I'm a human being. I'm not a fucking robot. So unfortunately, I'm going to get uh, emotional about shit. No way around it. Um, I don't have like higher. It's like, it's like, okay. Yeah, sure. You know what? That's easy. Easy on paper. Don't take things personally. Don't think about the future. All that. It's like, okay. So is that the same thing? If if um if if someone that makes you attracted, like like for instance, if I see in my vicinity a very extremely hot girl that I am attracted to, can I can my brain tell my dick not to get hard? Is that is that how it works? I can th- I can I cannot be affected by life as it happens. I don't think I don't think that that's possible. I think that life occurs and you react to how it's occurring and you have no power over that. I don't understand this idea of um of I'm going to be a stoic. I'm going to pretend like I can be a robot and not feel anything. So anyway, um where was I? Well, what I was talking about, where I was getting to was, um, yes, of course it hurts. It hurts every creative person to feel like they're going to die face down in a pile of unrecognized dreams. That is, and because for creative people, so much of our value, our self-worth is in this being and becoming of the thing that we are, and then we create the thing that we are and then we move past it and evolve into something else. So even though like in my life I've created a lot of different things and I've done various different stuff, it's like as soon as a creative thing comes to fruition, it's like it's like the um the egg hatches and then it's put out into the world and then it it immediately starts to decay and die. And um and that's just the nature of making things. It's weird that artistic creations don't aren't everlasting for the creator. In my experience, whenever you make something, you have like the glory of finishing it and maybe like the self, the proud, the pr- the pride in having completed something at like a level that you're that you've like worked hard to achieve. 
and then maybe the like the the happiness of the accolades but then it goes away and then you feel like when well then you're back at square one and you have to refill your hope machine to find out what the next aspect the next rung on the ladder of artistic expression is so where where the where, where the fuck was I? Don't rant about the people who don't watch my show. It's not like they're going to see it. Okay, so Soli, you were asking me. So like, listen, um, hey, listen, I am going to that Sterable Festival where I'm nominated for best writing, uh, and I hope that in good faith that that thing will help bring my work to more people or a, something positive can can come from it. But I don't have anger toward people who don't know about my things. There's a million people out there who are trying to create and I'm I'm very lucky. I'm very lucky for everything that has happened. You know, truly, you know. Anyway, let's not get depressing. Let's go on to Matata. Also, fucking let's give a shout out. Shout out to Soli. Thank you so much for your suggestion, Soli. And let's get Matata also rules. Matata is a Patreon member and a longtime uh, friend of the show, and he says Godzilla, and hell yeah, dude, go go Godzilla, Godzilla rules. I mean, okay, so I don't know how you guys feel. I feel like many of the Godzilla movies actually suck objectively, but the there's a few that are great. And when I was a kid, listen, I loved dinosaurs still do still love dinosaurs to this day and when i was a kid really i didn't really give a shit if the dinosaurs are real i didn't really fuck with dragons that much i was never like a dungeons and dragons kid i don't know it was never my thing i could fuck with dragons a little bit because they look like dinosaurs i'll be honest i like the european dragons a little bit better than the Jap- the asian dragons but I'll accept them both. They're pretty cool. But they're not as good as dinosaurs. And they look a little too fake to be dinosaurs, too. But Godzilla... Godzilla was set up basically like a T-Rex with Stegosaurus things on the back of him. And he breathed blue fire. That rocks. That fucking rules. And I was into it. And also, let's hand it to the Japanese because the Japanese did something very cool. Remember, um, the uh, atom bomb went off in like 1945. That was, I think, the year that the atom bomb got exploded in Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And it's not chill. I mean, that was not chill. I mean, it was also not chill to just be like firebombing. Listen, World War II was not chill and and honestly, the um, the Imperial Japanese Army was fucked up for for having the Kempatai around and being such crazy assholes, you know, killing, raping, chopping babies in half, like all that shit. You got if you do that shit, something somebody's going to come for you. If you do that baby chopping shit and just like mass rapes and stuff like that, let's not go. Let's not pretend like. Japanese was being so chill. This sort of duplicitous concept of like, oh my goodness, like, yeah, I mean, it's terrible 
and a lot of innocent people. But but the Imperial Army was not doing good for anybody. I'm not going to try to. I'm not. Let's let's not get into that. But we're talking about Godzilla. So I was saying that Japan was cool. That in 1959, when Godzilla came out, that's only help me out here. 45, 55. That's 10 years, right? 55, 6, 56, 57, 58. That's three years. So 13 years later, after the atom bomb came out, when it came out, then Japan made a monster movie where a big monster comes and also fucks the whole city up and burns the whole shit to the ground and stomps people out. That fucking rules, dude. That's so cool. Like, especially just to be like, okay, so like I love, what I love is when you use what you have creatively. Like, so the, so the creative people were like, all right, all right, all right, so let's, let's think of what we're going to do. Like, we got, like one kid, obviously there's a guy in, in the writer's room for Godzilla, like, yo, can we please use a fucking gigantic dinosaur? Please, we can make it a Teenage Mutant Ninja Dinosaur. Let's just do it, right? So they're like, yes, 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 and. Well, we're, yes, we're going to do this Godzilla shit. And then another guy is like, yo, remember 13 years ago when our entire shit got leveled by a, by a gigantic nuclear bomb that just went off and fucking ravaged the entire place? How about we have it like that? And then everyone was like, yes, dude, that would be... And then, they, wait, the dinosaur's going to do that? Hell yes. Think of fucking how cool that was. How cool to use the thing that... See, that's a lesson for everybody who is potentially going to make a creative thing, okay? Use what you have. Think about what's going on in your life. Think about something that happened that maybe you're sensitive about. You don't think the Japanese were a little sensitive about getting getting their asses lit up like that? But, but did they hide it? No, they used it in a fucking monster movie and made it the coolest shit of all. And then years later, all these kids are wishing that they could be on a little miniature set pretending they're Godzilla, knocking buildings over and shit. It's basically the coolest idea of all time. So Godzilla, A+. plus. All right, cool. Next suggestion. Um, let's go with Tales of Stellwagon. Who's, a, who's also a friend of the show and also a great artist in his own right. Now, if you don't know Tales of Stellwagon, um, he's a Massachusetts-based Massachusetts sculptor and, and, and illustrator. His drawings are fantastic, but what he makes is he makes these wonderful sculptures of whales, and they're like... They're kind of like relief sculptures. They're like... Um, they're a flat wood, but then he like almost indicates three-dimensionality in the way that they're carved. You got to see it to believe it. But anyway, um, shout out Tales of Stellwagen, at Tales of Stellwagen. Check his stuff out. But he says, photographers baiting wild o- wildlife and staging shots. Is it okay? All right. So photographers baiting wildlife and staging shots. What do we think? Okay. So... One thing that I think is that there's very few wild places in the world. And the only reason I think that is because um, uh, David Attenborough has told me that many, many times. He's like, 
He's like, now, there aren't many wild places left anymore. I'm going to die soon, and and also, you've horrendously fucked up the planet. That's what, um, that's what, uh, David Attenborough says, and also, uh, that also, for some reason, sounds a lot like, um, Spencer Fullerton Baird. That's just weird. That's just weird how they almost have the same voice. Very strange. But anyway, um, if a photographer baits wildlife and stages a shot, that means they're sort of like getting the lion to come into the shot or they're trying to like what, what, so I think it'd be wrong if like, let's say there's a very rare gazelle and, um, and the photographer takes out like a shotgun and shoots it point blank in the head and then waits for hyenas to come and then takes pictures of the hyenas. Let me tell you something. I'm against that. I don't think that that's a cool thing to do. Um, but I think it's okay if a photographer has like just meat and he leaves it out and waits for lions. I think that's okay. So, but do I think like, do you think if you drop um, like a piece of meat in the forest that wasn't there before and like an animal comes and eats it, is that fucking with nature too much? Or do you think that's the same thing as just every other aspect of human existence that butterfly effect style affects nature, like driving in your car, using the internet with all the fucking fr- uh, fresh water that it needs to fucking power all the servers or um, whatever, like fucking any, I guess cars and the internet are the two big ones, uh, flying in planes, everything, every human aspect, eating food, or where your food comes from, your clothes, the dyes, all that shit. What the hell are you going to do? I mean, uh, if you f- want to follow the fictitious the fictitious character of Patricia Westwood from The Overstory, she says the best thing humans could do for the planet is kill themselves. And listen, Patricia Westwood, I've been there, and it does seem enticing, but you know what else, though? We are part of nature. Here's another theory. You see... The plants that we eat affect our guts, right? So we, as humans, evolved into agricultural societies, and we favored certain plants to eat over others. For instance, corn. Corn itself is a plant that is very successful. If you were to say, what is the evolutionary um, uh what do you call it? the evolutionary direction of corn? Well, corn has harvested humans into keeping corn alive and perpetuating corn to exist. Same thing with other vegetable crops like beans, soybeans, palm oil, all of the things that humans obsessively farm the earth and replant over and over again. Now, Let's take the average human. How smart is the average human? When you look at society, wouldn't you say that it's just a bunch of fucking apes who are just biding their time so that they can drop nuclear bombs on each other and kill each other all the time? Not very smart. And 
in our gut bacteria, we seem to have a pattern that is perpetuated through every society. Could it be that corn has harvested us just as certain trees get ants and other animals to, to spread their seeds? And uh, like, for instance, uh, figs have harvested um, fig and banyan trees harvest uh, 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 wasps to uh, to heart to plant uh, to uh, what do you call fertilize their seeds and a, a slew of other animals um, like use the trees and through that um, symbiosis the trees spread their seeds they don't have to do any thinking trees don't have to have fucking consciousness and uh, a whole bunch of like free time and like need to jerk off to porn or do anything like that they can get their job done just by creating the seeds and letting their symbiotic relationship with other animals do the trick so could it be that all of our environmental woes are caused by our addiction to and control that is the uh, that control that we are under by different plants well it could be but i'm just going to say that photographers baiting wildlife and staging shots is bad but also it's kind of good okay so we're going to go on to another suggestion from bry polar bry polar and let's just Let's just give a shout out to Bipolar because Bipolar is of the band Black Suit Youth, uh, a, a punk rock band, great, a fucking great band. And I had the honor to direct their new video that's coming out um, for their song Raised by Wolves. But I've actually known Brian since we're like 16 years old. Uh, we actually attended... Um, Boses on Long Island for video production, which is where I met him. And we had like just, I mean, maybe my next web series will be about um, an AV class because it was just an incredible experience. But I've known him for my whole life and he's, um, he's we like have reconnected, but uh, he's also been really uh, a vocal, um, just give me, giving me words of encouragement and support over the last uh, few weeks where I've been going through um, my own insanity that I've shared on the show. And um, if you want to know, it's totally real. Um, I definitely have had trouble. And uh, it really it really is nice when somebody reaches out and uh, sort of just talks you off the ledge a little bit. I, I actually performed at his, uh, his show and bombed horribly and really um, brought the whole room down. And I felt so embarrassed about that. And um, and I could imagine that that type of thing would like sever a friendship because it's so like egregious. It's such a it was such a a thing that happened to the moment. I didn't intend for that to happen, but it just sometimes like you know, if you really want to surf on the magic of the moment and improvise and be this type of artist, then you have to know that sometimes you're gonna have a peak and sometimes you're gonna have a valley. But uh, I was like very grateful that like that experience didn't like um i don't know anyway like i love uh bipolar and he has a suggestion he has he wants me to know rectal sloth versus anteater fight to the death all right so as we know the rectal sloth is an animal 
that is mostly anus, that sleeps all day, super slow, and stinks like shit because it's just completely a gigantic asshole. And the anteater, on the other hand, is just part of the termite pals, you know, along with the aardvark, aardwolf, anteater, and who's the other one? I don't remember who the other one is, but I have to go rewatch um, the episode of the aardwolf. But anyway, the rectal sloth, gross. And sloths in general, I think I might have mentioned this, sloths are animals that are like, how the fuck did they not get extinct already? Maybe I've said this. If I've said this already, then I'm sorry. But I'll say, I'll say it again for the people who only listen to one episode and then decide that, like, man, I really think he's annoying. I'm not going to listen to this show. But sloths, even not being rectal sloths, you know, even in general, it seems like how did they not completely go extinct? Is there, like, why didn't, why didn't, like, have you ever seen a sloth do anything? Like, they're so slow and so brittle that I would just imagine, like, smaller, like, because in the jungle, everybody's out to kill everybody. Like, you know, like, look at all the insects. Like, there's so many gigantic insects. That I'm, see- I'm saying, what is it? Why did the sloth get to just get a pass, a free pass? I don't know. But the the anteater, on the other hand, also not very tough. The anteater is pretty much concerned with one thing, sticking its long tongue down an ant hole, down an ant hole, very similar to an asshole. Now, the way I see it going down, as you can imagine, is the anteater would probably stick its tongue down the rectal sloth's asshole, and then I would imagine the rectal sloth would enjoy that since it's mostly asshole and I can imagine all of its skin being very sensitive around the asshole. And, you know, maybe, maybe the sloth, since it's so slow, is covered with ants and other um, ticks and shit because, you know, it's not fast enough to clean itself off or do anything. So maybe... The anteater and the um, the rectal sloth are in some type of partnership where where the uh, where the anteater uh, rims gives it uh, daily rim jobs and eats all the ants and bugs off of it, and the sloth just fucking lays there because what the hell is it going to do? So I think we solved that one. Thank you so much to Bry Polar. Appreciate it. All right, let's uh, let's get to the next question, uh, the next suggestion, also from friend of the show, King Mexico, who has a great podcast that I've been on a couple times, King Mexico, uh, and also he has a podcast called the Bru- Los Brujos Podcast, which is a beer-drinking podcast. And actually, uh, I intend to do a brewery crawl with King Mexico, and I'm going to do it... Um, Eventually, we're going to get to that. That's I have the the tenacity for that idea in the way like I'm in the way that when I get high, when I smoke weed and I'm like, ah, I'm going to think of this great idea that I intend to do. But then when I leave the cloud of of uh, of like 
being high, I'm just like, yeah, I'm going to get to that. But King Mexico, we're going to get to this brewery crawl idea that we're going to shoot. But like when? I don't know. We got to figure it out. Um, Anyway, he asks me, what's the best movie I've watched? Okay, guys. The best movie that I've ever watched is a movie by Yorgos Lanthimos called Dogtooth. Um, I've talked about this show. I actually did a podcast um, with a with a a guy who only talks to artists talking about their favorite movies. So I did a whole episode about this. Um, it's called the fucking. I don't remember the name of the podcast, but if anybody wants to hear that, I'll talk. I'll I'll send it to them. So the name the movie is called Dogtooth, and here's the premise. So this guy, this dad, lives on a compound, right? Like a, like sort of like a walled off, pretty nice house, but like you can't go in, can't go out. And he's raised his kids so that they've never left the compound. And he's taught them shit that doesn't even make sense. Like the words that they've learned as, as, as English, it's like, for instance, like, like cow means water or like it's just nonsense right and also these kids don't have any sense of rules like these kids can just go out and have full-scale like knife battles in the backyard and cut and cut each other and like there's no sense of rules and the mother goes along with this shit and then so it's almost like it's almost like a totalitarian government like north korea but if it was some guy's family so like you know, the dad is like the supreme being. And um, then the whole shit unravels and it unravels in an insane way. And the way this movie is made, it's not like it's not like Hollywood. It's made like you're actually watching real shit go down. Um, it's fantastic. It's called Dogtooth. The guy who made it eventually went on to make more famous movies called like um, The Favorite he made. And he also made, fuck, I can't remember this, uh, another, like, another movie that he made that that has a weird title about, like, a stag or something like that. Oh, he also made the movie called The Lobster, which was kind of famous. But this movie, Dogtooth, is better than all of those. So you guys should definitely watch Dogtooth. Um, You're probably going to have to rent it, but it is fucking crazy, and it's my favorite movie of all time. So hell yeah, dude. All right. Now, getting back to another suggestion by Spencer Antif. Spencer Antif asks if asks he suggests The Martian by Andy Weir. And respect to Spencer Antif cuz The Martian by Andy Weir by Andy Weir is a new book that has been released and it's like a sci-fi book. And somehow I guess Spencer found out or he just like knows that um you know i i'm always talking about the overstory i'm always talking about books so he knows that i'm like a, i'm gay for books you know what i'm gonna say so i'm a, I'm like a literary guy so the martian by anti andy weir i actually have it but i haven't cracked it yet so um so unfortunately i have nothing to say about it but i will tell you that um i did I, I'm still not finished with five Decembers. 
Uh, and so I'm pretty psyched about that. But you know what I did finish and I loved is the book Sag Harbor by Colson Whitehead. Okay, cool. So Sag Harbor by Colson Whitehead is a fucking cool book. So Colson Whitehead, you may know of some of his other books. He's a pretty much celebra- a celebrated black author of like the contemporary, like right now. He had one of his books made into a movie or like a TV show recently, but he has been doing shit for a long time, even before he had like a, a TV show deal. So this book he wrote called Sag Harbor was released uh, like 12 years ago. And I fin- and it was the book I read before I started Five Decembers. So, um, but what it is, it's a book that takes place in the early 80s and in Long Island, out east, there's a town called Sag Harbor. And it's right now, like in this, in the 2000s, 2020s, it's super like fancy rich. But back, actually historically, back since, even back in the 30s, it has always been an upper middle, there's, it's always been like an upper middle class black neighborhood. There's a little part of it called Azarest, which is like a historic black neighborhood. That would be, for people who actually had like summer houses and shit. Uh, so, uh, what do you call it? Colson Whitehead grew up going out to Sag Harbor in the early 80s. And he writes this book and he sort of like brings you into like this idyllic summertime of when he was like a preteen going into a teen, ye- teen years. And I, okay, so I live in Long Island. I'm from Nassau. I'm from on the border of Nassau and Queens, but my whole life, I've always taken trips out to the east end of Long Island, and even when I became, like, in my early 20s, I was in a band and used to play shows all over Long Island and would spend the summers, like, having bonfires out on the beaches of Long Island and just, like, having these adventures. So in my memory, like, I have, like, a real, like, sweet spot for just the 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 endless summer of your youth on the beaches of Long Island. So I could really like get into the imagination. Like I would like the way he writes this book. He it's, it's like he's t- he, it's like you're along for the ride with his friends and like doing all like adventures and shit. Like just high school shit. But you know you're you're one of the gang, and so I just had so much fun like living this early 80s uh like sort of idyllic summer with like you know fir- first crushes and like just the whole world that encapsulates plus i have like for instance i've camped in i think theodore roosevelt park or no cedar point park which is in sag harbor i've camped i've done camping in my life in that park and like i've driven around a lot of all the spots that they talk about in this book. So it's really fun. It was really fun. So if I have not read The Martian by Andy Weir, but I did read Sag Harbor by Colson Whitehead, and I recommend it to everybody. So cool. So I'm a I'm a book nerd. So now let's go on to another suggestion by um by yo, check this fucking thing out. Check this out. So this is when when something like this happens, I'm always like uh, I have to take a moment and and be like I'm very grateful for 
my life, and I'm grateful for the the way this grading animals went out into the world and did reach into other people's lives and bring other people's lives into my life. Um, just people that I would never have connected with before. Because Alex Burkowski, who is um, a famous, well, I consider him a famous, but he's a he's a wildlife photographer. If you check him out, Alex B-R-A-C-Z-K-O-W-S-K-I. You can check out his photography on Instagram. He's shot for National Geographic. He's he's the real deal, guys. In fact, I believe that he's never even staged a wildlife shot, but he has shots of all big cats, lions, leopards, all that shit. Real. He goes, he actually gets paid by the um the Ugandan and Chinese government who when when they're done like when you like when the Ugandan government is finished from a long day of throwing gay people off of the roof of buildings they fund his science experiments and and where he can go and shoot lions you know with a camera so that's fucking dope but he says let's talk about lions and big cats and dude let's talk about lions and big cats all right so what's my favorite big cat right and unfortunately it's not lions I do like lionesses. Lionesses are cool. And um, I think even in life, I like lionesses. Like, I like I, I like um, badass women. Like, for instance, like Tori Amos is kind of like a lioness to me. Or even um, like Laza de Sela. Uh, or let's say, um, I don't know, I'll think of another one. But those two, or like um, Nico Case, right? I would say those three women... Uh, are like lionesses of music, right? But lions, lions, I'm like, they have a cool mane. Let's give them that. But on the other hand, I heard they just sleep all day and do nothing. Um, And that's not that cool. Leopards, on the other hand, are pretty cool. Like leopards come in spotted and black. That's nice. How come we don't have black lions? How cool would it be if lions came in you know, yellow and also jet black for some reason. What happened? How come How come we live in a, a world that didn't do that? And also, how come... So, oh, so, oh, okay. So, you know, lions for not having a Black Panther version, it's stupid. It should be. I think even Alex Burkowski, fucking scientist and wildlife photographer extraordinaire would agree that it's stupid that lions don't come in black. Okay, so then what else? Then what other cats do we got? How about tigers? I've always thought tigers were better than lions. Pretty much ever since I heard the poem by William Blake, tiger, tiger, burning bright in the forests of the night. What immortal hand or eye could frame thy fearful symmetry what the hammer what the chain what something something thoughts in thy brain uh what uh and then and it's like then i th- i don't know remember what happens after that and then it goes um did he who made the lamb make thee 
That's a good ass line. Think of that. He's like, it's like, did God make this monster? That's fucking dope. But also the poem itself has a lot of reverence for the power of nature. A lot of reverence for the power of nature. Unlike our society now, who would take all of nature, ball it up into a little piece of toilet paper, and wipe the last piece of shit out of our ass with it, and then flush it down the toilet. That's pretty much how our society views anything else other than humans. And it's a shame, because... But that's just the society that we live in, and there's nothing you can do about it. Um, maybe you yourself have a different opinion and a different relationship to the to the natural world, and that's good. And maybe in your recognition of how you don't feel the way the rest of the world wants to face fuck you into thinking, maybe that is the beginning of a genuine rebellion that you have with our fucking stupid mainstream society because everything around me I see wants me to conform to this bullshit that I intrinsically hate and know I'm not a part of. That's how I feel about society and that's how I've felt about it for almost my entire adult life. And it's just gotten more and more, um, what do you call? Like, for instance, I remember when I was younger and like people were into boy bands and it was like, oh, our society is getting homogenized. Everything is like, they want us to like this shit. But it's like, I'm not saying boy bands are good. I think NSYNC is great. Um, there's a lot of good things about boy bands. Um, but it's like really, it's like, it's like, it's like shoved down your throat by like a mainstream sort of lowest common denominator. Um, and that's what I don't like about it. But I do have nostalgia for time passing. Um, and I can appreciate like good production. But what I'm trying to say is that uh, um, let's talk about big cats, right? Let's talk about lions. Ti so tigers are awesome. Uh, and then let's say what other what else do we got? We got leopards. We got snow le leopards. See, le leopards are the sleeper hit because, okay, spots, right? Leopards have spots. They can't change their spots. But the problem with spots is spots are circles. And when you look at a circle, your eye, it like a circle contains your eye, contains your whole focus. So whenever you see circles, what do you think of? Bubbles, right? So it's like you're trying to be a big badass cat, but you have bubbles. It's like you have a bunch of bubbles on your jacket, right? Stripes, on the other hand, that's a cool, that could work. But bubbles, now how come... How come leopards don't have triangles? Triangles are a little more threatening. Imagine imagine a leopard had all types of jagged triangles all over its coat. And like every time you look at it, it's like your eye looked it was like looking at like a shattered glass and it's like, "Ah, my eye is getting stabbed." And then the leopard would come and kill you and you're you already have the fear. But when you see bubbles, you don't you're not afraid. That's peaceful. When you think bubbles, you think peaceful, right? So how come leopards don't have triangular spots? That's also stupid. So I think uh, at least at least leopards have, they come in black, which is what we wanted in the first place. Why don't tigers come in black? Tigers come in white. Also, I actually, actually, I don't like that. And not just because white people are bad, but I'm just like albinos... Like, that's, that's, I don't even think it's, I don't know. 
it's like a mutation that I don't think they do. I don't think they do well. I I honestly think that all cats, the entire species of cats, should be able to come in a black version. And for all of those stupid idiots, all of these stupid moron idiots that think that the world is a simulation, well. If the world is a simulation, then why can't you choose your avatar to be a black character? Or why isn't there a cheat code that can turn all cats into black cats, also making them bad luck, also making them playing on the evil team? All right? So I think that we've talked enough about big cats. But thank you so much, Alex Wachowski, for, for uh, you know dropping by and giving us a suggestion. Um, Okay, so now the next suggestion is from Jessica Rain 01. So represent Canada, salute. Also represent West Coast Canada. You know, I'm a big fan of Canada. Canada has been a recurring theme in my life ever since I was into the kids in the hall when I was young. And, um, and it's a place that I love very much. And, uh, and I've had kindnesses from, from, from the... I've toured Canada on the Fringe Festival circuit. I've done stand-up in Canada. I have a lot of friends up there. And so it's it's pretty great. Uh, so anyway, this suggestion comes from Jessica Rain 01, who actually is also from from Canada. So it's like it's like uh, the streak goes, the streak continues. But anyway, Jessica Rain 01 suggests the Zazus. The Zazus, right? So I don't really know what to make of the Zazus. I don't understand what that word means. It's spelled Z-A-Z-O-U-S. When I, see, when I read the word Zazus, I'm wondering one thing. I'm like, is there some type of cultural uh, phenomena that, I am, that I've been absent for? So many times, like, you realize as you get older, you're not around what young people are uh, fawning about. So you're like, oh, I never heard that such and such band or saw this show or now like spent, you know, a third of my day scrolling through TikTok so I can learn what type of idiotic algorithmic nonsense people are addicted to. Um, and I'm like, the Zazus, is the Zazus one of those things? And like, I lament because as a person who, you know, two times a week turns a microphone on to just ramble about whatever, I should try to know about every single thing just so that, you know, I can talk about it. But occasionally you get a suggestion like the Zazus. Now, what does it sound like? Zazus sounds like Dr. Seuss. It sounds like a character that would be in a Dr. Seuss thing, like the Grinch or the Lorax or the Zazus. The Zazus, what would the Zazus be doing? The Zazus, I think he would be like a pomp... The Zazus is like a, a like a he's like the he's a a king he's a ruler over a small fiefdom. Um, maybe he was involved in that thing where the two remember that Dr. Seuss thing where it was like two guys on a wall and both of them had a bean that would explode, and they were both on the side of the thing and they were like basically, I'll drop this bean on your side and you'll drop this bean on my side and we can have. Um, Mad Magazine, Mutually Assured Destruction, right? Was one of those guys named the Zazus? I'm going to say yes, because it would be a too much mining to figure out what else it means. So 
when we have a Zazu situation where like nuclear war is imminent, what can you do? They say, remember in the um, remember back in the days. There might have. This is also might be a Zazu situation. Do you remember back in the days when the Vikings were around? Like, do you remember back when everybody was either like, a, remember when monks used to shave the middle of their head for some reason? Why did they do that? Did monks were monks all gay? But they were like were like, oh, we're we're monks. But then se- secretly at the monks, they were just like being gay. That's what I think. But I don't think so. Maybe not. But who knows? But um. Anyway, those monks, uh, they were they would shave the, the middle of their head and just leave the edges. Like they would intentionally give themselves um, uh, baldness, which I think is stupid. Um, it also is, is like is if, if humans were so smart, why would they do a haircut like that? It's dumb. So but the Vikings, back in the Viking days, if you heard the Vikings were coming, you were just like, Oh, I guess I'm dead now because what do you what am I going to do? I'm just dead. They would people would just be like, "Oh, I guess I'm going to die." Because you know what the thing was, back in those days it was so hard to go anywhere else. And it's like, "What am I going to leave town?" Leaving town didn't exist back then. The only thing the only actually no, it did it leaving town did exist for certain types of people like Jews, like me. Like my ancestors always had to leave town. That's that's in the Bible. Remember in the Bible when we had to leave town? Remember the Pharaoh was like, all right, guys, you got to leave town. And we all were like, all right, well, we're going to magically split open the ocean and then we'll leave town through a path in the ocean. And then the the Pharaoh guys came after us. And the, then we, were, we got to the other side by the other point. And then, uh, then we were like, all right, close up the ocean. And the Pharaohs was like, Zazus. All right, cool. That's that suggestion. Okay. How are we doing on time? Wow, we already up. We already into an hour. We're going to have to do uh, more. We're going to have to get through more of these suggestions. So I'm going to go quick on some of these. All right. Split bat, split bat and carpentry at, suggests Gal Gadot. And I'm going to say, yes, I would get a hard on for her. All right. Ben Fine Painting said nostril hair. Evolving towards a greater need for it with global climate change. I'm going to say um, no. I'm going to say no. We're not going to probably need. No, I think that we'll. I think my money is on. We're probably going to be phased out before that. But it is interesting to think what aspect of humanity will survive in the next epoch. For instance, humans have been the same thing since before the Bible, since 8,000 years ago. 8,000 years ago, we didn't have writing, but we had math. We had commerce. Um, It was math that was invented before writing, before words. Um, So, but, you know, we before we had that, we had, like, Australopithecus and, like, Homo homo, um, full erectus and uh, also caveman, Cro-Magnon style. But what I want to know is what's the next version of now humans? What's the next thing? What's going to be phased out and what's going to be the continuation? Because one thing I do think about humans is that we are tenacious and we are going to try to cling to life no matter how inhospitable the world becomes. 
So that's going to be interesting. Will it involve nostril hair? Now, I'm actually thinking maybe. You know what? I'm going to I'm going to rescind my wrong buzzer and say Oh shit, why did this get so loud? I'm going to say, "Yeah, dude, you know what? Maybe we will need nostril hair for some reason. I'm not sure why." All right. Next suggestion, a muddy bear says identifying common northwest mountain animal tracks. My show is sweet by the way, man. All right. So, a muddy bear. Um you know the thing about the thing the thing about it and mud, a muddy bear is I'm not sure if you listen to the podcast or were hoping that I was going to make a grading out animals episode about uh, mountain animal tracks. I'm just going to be honest with you. I, uh, I, I don't know as much about um, mountain animal tracks in an audio format. Uh, like I could be like, all right, well, you know, all right. So a mountain lion's paw, it's like it's got an oval part at the bottom. So, so I want you guys to picture an oval. And then I want you to picture four little circles around the top of that. That's going to be a mountain lion track. But now a wolverine track is going to be like a more of like a bean-shaped oval. And then it's only going to have like you're only going to see a little bit of those top circles. But then you're going to see the claw because they don't have retractable. Or maybe they do have retractable claws. I'm not even sure. I think they do. So, yeah, actually, it's going to look exactly like the mountain lion one. And then what brings us to mountain lions, right? Like, how come mountain lions don't come in black, right? That's stupid. It's fucking dumb. Like, how, like, why? Well, how come panthers are the only ones who get that shit? All right, anyway. So, and then bears, right? Like, bears, you're going to see the claw. So, you're going to see a bigger circle, a bigger oval at the bottom, right? Like, two times the size of the mountain lion track, then you're going to see the top, the little circles, right? And then you're going to see the claw, definitely. And also, that's going to be bigger, right? So, I'm pretty much like, you know, if you see a deer, it's usually like a circle hoof, right? Some deers have two hoofs. Like, they have, uh, there's ungulates. Bro, I don't know what the fuck I'm I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about when it comes to that. Um, all right, so let's continue. Uh the original RJ says Bigfoot. Well, you know what, the original RJ? You guessed it, because I was just talking about Bigfoot. Big feet. Because when we're talking about identifying common Northwest Mountain animal tracks, we're talking about feet that are big. So I feel like I got that one done. There's only a few more suggestions, and I know I'm really rifling through them at, at this last part. Um, we got two more suggestions. So X Diaz 81 says kangaroos drowning their opponents. Okay, so this is exactly what I wanted to get to. So, you know, nature, they, they it's been said that nature is metal, you know? I don't know who said that because the guy who makes that the guy who said it is actually anonymous. I think it's interesting to be anonymous on the internet. Like, I can't imagine a reality in which I did not show my face and stand behind the ridiculous claims about animals that I have made. I, the reason I did it was specifically not to be anonymous. Like, what I didn't want was to create a bunch of fucking memes and so that 
everybody would share the memes, but nobody would know that I created the me- created the comedy, right? I hate the idea of that. I hate the idea of just like, um, well, you know, that's the thing. It goes back to not feeling a part of society. I don't feel like a part of the world. I don't want to fucking, sh- I, I, like, I want to be, if I'm going to do something, I want to be recognized for it. I don't want to, I don't believe in some type of, uh, like, communism where, like, like I can make something and then it's yours. No, I feel like if I made something, I'm going to share it with you, but like you should acknowledge that it's mine. So kangaroos drowning their opponents. Nature is metal. That guy, we nobody knows who he is. He he keeps himself um anonymous. I think it's interesting. It, on the other hand, uh before I did this podcast, the character of J Caps was a little bit um anonymous. Like I was not sharing a lot of myself. I shared a somewhat of myself. Anyway, um, kangaroos drowning their opponents. Um, it's, it's a killer be killed world. And, um, everyone is out to drown their opponents. Um, you know, we, we, we think that we're so like, uh, like, um, like, uh, nice to each other, or we think we live in this society that is, um, you know, you want to, you want to fake, you want to fake that like everybody's gonna be kumbaya, but when when shit hits the fan, um, I think like even in, even in my own life, like when when things get tough, like um, for yourself, like you actually behave erratically. It's like what aspect, what chakra is in charge? Is it your head? Is all, you're gonna think all your way out of your problems? Sometimes if you're hungry, your stomach is in charge. Sometimes if you're horny, your loins are in charge. Sometimes when you're when you're like full of love and empathy, your heart is in charge. You know? But like your body has a lot to do with your behavior. It's not all thinking your way out of the problem. So if you know, um when a, if a kangaroo drowns its opponent, I guess essentially um it doesn't have to kill. Why would it happen? I think it would happen out of lust, out of um Fighting for a mate. Fighting for a mate. You know, proving your strength to a mate. Just like Will Smith did when he tried to prove how tough he was when he went and smacked the shit out of Chris Rock at the Oscars. Trying to prove to his wife, who everybody knows that she fucks a lot of other guys. And even though he laughed at Chris Chris Rock's her hilarious joke about her having no hair. Then he had to go and nature's metal style smack the shit out of Chris Rock, just like a kangaroo would drown its opponent. So thank you, XDS81, for that wonderful um, suggestion. And Derek on a Hill closing it out with the suggestions, animals that kill for fun and all their exploits, orcas, chimps, etc., Thank you so much, Derek on a Hill, but I feel like I really solved that question with the last question. So thanks, everybody, so much for joining this episode of great of uh, the world, according to J-Caps. And um, I love you all. And also, if you remember my web series that I that I had grading animals, um, who knows if things if things really turn around in my life, we might have a fourth season. Um, and that and so if you want if you really want to help it out and like see more of that, 
then please, by all means, if you haven't already, go back and share the episodes with people you don't know, people who like comedy. I, I know that if there's one thing I said, I said it already, is that um, at least animals can take a joke. So maybe that's maybe I've that's the prescient form of future comedy now that really no authority can ever be made fun of, um, unless you know the threat of death. All right, talk to you all soon.